Enterprising in my surroundings I'm finding the quietest estates these days This representation of storm brewing Amazed that the focus remains The vocal focal point of my change Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast I'm your host, Matt Chittam And this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there Who are working hard to get better While balancing running with the rest of their lives So excited for today's show with Angelo Poli Angelo was the creator of MetPro Which is a company that has changed a lot of people's lives In terms of fueling performance and weight loss, especially for athletes. And I was really excited to talk to him about this topic because it can be a controversial one, right? We know about you know, all about fueling and what happens if we underfuel and how sometimes when that's connected to weight loss while we're trying to perform, it can be a really tricky thing to manage. So I was really excited to talk to him about this very topic, not only because this is his business, but also something that's affecting me. So I use MetPro. And I was really excited to talk to him because I have found results using it, uh, talking to one of their experts. My coach is Ryan, and he's helping me. So I've lost a handful of pounds using MetPro. It hasn't affected my performance, and it's kind of really been a, a fun thing to be a part of. And I wanted to make sure that I used it before I talked about it because, well, that's just how we are around here. I'm going to make sure that things are validated before we give out any kind of advice or anything along those lines. With that said, if you are interested in using MetPro after hearing this conversation, I highly recommend it. I'd certainly recommend it if it's a good fit for you. As you'll hear in this episode, there are certain people who it's a really good fit for if you're someone who does like metrics and numbers, not weight, but like just like following along a certain, um, I'll let, I'll let Angelo tell it. He tells it better than I do. Either way, there is a certain kind of person this is a really good fit for. It's a really good fit for me. And if it's a good fit for you, I would give it a try. Go to metpro.co slash rambling. That's metpro, M-E-T-P-R-O dot co, that's C-O forward slash rambling. Even if it's not a good fit for you, this is still going to be a good episode to listen to. There's no question about that. Angelo is an expert in a lot of areas, and he provided a lot of really good information on here. And one of the one of the best things about this was that he's... I don't want people on here just selling their product, right? That's something that I tell people all the time when they contact me to come on the, the podcast. If they have a book or a service, I tell them all the time, like, this is not going to be an infomercial. Like, if you come on, I'm going to ask you hard questions, and that's an important value. And some people don't like that, and they don't come on the show, which is fine. That's certainly their right. Angelo was 100% up for it. And as you'll hear, like, I tested him on some things, and I really valued his opinion and how he went through the interview. So, Angelo, thank you so much for coming on, and thank you for listening. So, let's get into it with Angelo Poli. All right, we are here with Angelo Poli. Angelo, thank you so much for coming on the show. Matt, thank you for having me. What an honor. <laughs> this is always exciting. And for people who are longtime listeners to the show, you know, every four to six weeks, we get someone on um, a specialist in certain fields. And we always try to bring on people who can help us, registered dietitians and the like, to help us with some of our dietary and fueling needs and wants and all the things that come along with it. And Angelo is here to do just that. Angelo, before we get into it, can you tell people what you do for a living in some of the, I guess, you know, your, your, your background, because when we talk about nutrition, especially there's an, it, we want to make sure that we're, we're learning from the right people. Now you are a part of a team here, but it's also important to understand that we, we want to, especially with nutrition, because everyone has, it's like education, right? So it's like, oh, I eat so I can give you eating advice. It's like education. It's like, I went through school. I can tell you how to be a teacher. It's like, that's not quite true. So Angelo, the floor is yours. Give us a little, little, uh, little Angelo 101. 
Well, I, you know, I don't, I always like to just share what I know because you can learn from everyone. Everybody has experiences that are going to add to your database of knowledge that you can draw on. And I'm always learning. Unfortunately, I had to learn a little bit from the school of hard knocks. So growing up, I was, you know, thought, hey, I want to get in the fitness industry. I'm going to become a personal trainer. And so I did all that. And I, I, you know, read all the textbooks and I got all the certifications from all the certifying bodies at nauseum. And I went through all that, had a blast, was 23 years old, destroyed my low back, walked with a cane for a decade. Those textbooks, so those textbooks, those, 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 those textbooks really helped. They didn't beat the, the youth out of me. You see, they didn't beat that part of the brain that was broken that says, no, you can do one more. No, ignore the pain. No, push through. You see, that's what happens in youth. But it's true. Pain is a potent teacher. So I had to learn the hard way. And so for my family, it was a big, big um, mental shift. I had to decide, am I even going to stay in this industry? I could not hand people dumbbells on the floor anymore. I could not stand for multiple hours consecutively. But I was pretty good and passionate about the science of transformations, metabolism in particular. So people ask me all the time, you know, is this healthy? Is that healthy? And I can say, you know, I've dieted about 20,000 people over my career. <laughs> I've wrote multiple books on the topic, but I'm not actually that kind of nutritionist. I'm the guy that for years I dieted, well, competitive athletes uh, ranging from, you know, the, the bodybuilding community, physique sports to the Olympic athletes to NFL players to, you know, that sort of thing. But most of my education came from, ironically, the physique sports and people trying to really manipulate their body composition that were highly adherent and they're trying to figure out the, you know, the, the cutting, bleeding edge of what is possible with science and with nutritional manipulation and, of course, training. So when I had this injury, I had to decide, boy, what am I going to do? I couldn't hand people dumbbells anymore. So I ended up coaching uh, remote clients in nutrition. And I did this by going to gyms and I would ask the, the, the gym owners, I'd say, how's your personal training program? And they would say to me, well, you know, we have a handful, you know, I got maybe 2% of the membership, 3% of the membership. I said, what are most people enrolling in your personal training program? What are they interested in? And you can guess, weight loss. That's what, you know, and still, as this, this statistic show, about 86% of the people are, are coming for weight loss. It doesn't mean it's a more important issue. It just means it's a more frustrating issue. So that's why we help people deal with it. I said, and what's the number one day, way to combat, you know, either obesity or whether it's uh, for performance, whether it's for aesthetic, whether it's for any reason you want, what's the number one way? Well, it's your diet. And so when you combine the diet with the exercise, and so pretty soon, Fast forward a few years, metabolic profiling, we have a team of highly educated coaches who specialize in data analytics to help answer the question, what's the right diet for you? And I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint on it because I get asked this all the time. Um, if you type in, I want to build muscle, what's the best diet for build muscle? Or I want to hit a PR in my marathon. Or I want to hit a PR on my deadlift, my bench, or I want to lose 10 pounds. You Google this. 
you will get literally 2 million answers. I'm not being dramatic. Literally, there are 2 million answers to that query. They're not half right and half wrong. They're all correct. None of them are wrong. And I know people hear that and go, what? What are you talking about? That can't be right. It's every scenario can be correct for someone under some circumstance, right? And for some amount of time. And for some amount of time, correct. So the question is, and I'm not talking about extreme, you know, modalities. I'm talking about reasonable things based in research and science. Okay. Thank you for that clarification there. That was going to be my next question. <laughs> yes, yes. We're always, uh, we're, we're always talking about, you know, th that, not the hokey things. No, you eat clams and lemon and that's it. No, I've heard it all. I've heard you only eat on days that start with the letter T. No. Um, it, Today you know, and tomorrow. <laughs> that's it. You heard that one. <laughs> so... Uh, the question is always, how do I figure out what my next step is? So I'll, I'll, I'll give you an illustration. And of course, you just asked what my background was. So before I get dive too deep into it, um, I started giving seminars. And as the seminars grew and as more people started coming uh, to listen to our, uh, our events, I needed a little bit quicker way to identify what the audience might potentially need. And so we started doing these simple surveys. I mean, they started really basic age, height, weight, goal, body type, et cetera, you know, just really simple. And some very interesting patterns emerged. And we started looking at the data and we started realizing, hmm, it was interesting what the most predictive markers of whether or not someone would likely lose weight or gain weight or build muscle or improve performance or not improve performance was. And it wasn't always muscle mass. It wasn't always gender. It wasn't always body type or size. Interestingly, it was actually what the person was currently accustomed to. And now you and Matt, you stop me if I say anything at any point along the way that doesn't ring true to you. So I'll challenge you to do that. If it doesn't ring true, you stop me and we'll talk about it. But here's what people have found. They raise their hand and they say, you know, I've heard, I get all these different opinions. I, I just want to lose 10 pounds. Why is it harder for me than the next person? And here's what we find. Well, for you, that person may be eating lean proteins and vegetables and eating a moderate calorie diet. They may be controlling carbohydrates. They may be watching what they eat carefully. They may be limiting fried foods and, and sugars and all these additives. They've already cleaned everything up, but they still want to lose another 10 pounds. So where's the leverage? So what happens is even though they're doing everything, all the experts quote unquote say is right, they still run into these plateaus. Meanwhile, the person who is used to hitting the drive through and, you know, gulps down a few more sodas and, you know, has the cheeseburgers and the desserts and maybe a glass of wine before night. That's fine if that's your lifestyle. And if you say, hey, I want to start losing weight, how come that person only has to change 10 percent of 15 percent of what he's doing? And now all of a sudden we start seeing results. Can't tell you how many times we've had the wife or the husband on a regimented, calculated, macronutrient balanced meal plan that they're just sticking it. And then they say, oh yeah, my husband just cut out Pepsi and he's down 10 pounds. <laughs> How often do we hear those stories, right? So if this rings true, that means that there has to be another predictive element. It can't just be, well, you're male, you have this much lean body mass, therefore your body is burning X, Y, Z. That would be nice if that was the case, but we all know intuitively 
that there's more to it than that. So what we learned is that weight loss and weight gain, and I'm, I'm sure you'll want to talk about performance because that's how it's going to really extrapolate to the running audience performance. But just for the illustration, either weight loss or weight gain is a measure of the contrast. It's a function of the delta between what a person is used to and then what a person changes it to. Good or bad, it's the delta that matters. And so that's why we started a process called baseline testing. And now we've been doing this for about a decade, um, thousands and thousands of people. And what we've learned is that, wow, we were wrong about this and we were wrong about that. And once we got enough things wrong, we were able to check the boxes and correct a few things and go, wow, look at this data. Here's what we're actually seeing. You know, all this time we thought that, you know, endomorphs lost weight the fastest. And then we're seeing, oh no, maybe it's mesomorphs. Well, actually it looks like ectomorphs have the highest base metabolic rate without any interaction or dietary history. So we're looking at all these factors and we're able to extrapolate some things. But what we've learned is if we can baseline test, we can stop the guesswork. We're no longer Googling and saying, how do I lose 10 pounds? And listening to any random expert who may have a lot of information, guess who you are without knowing your metabolic profile. That's how we got to where we're at today. All right. So the idea is everyone's an individual. Yes. There's individual differences. And by doing some sort of baseline testing, for two weeks, then hopefully that gives you insight on how to tailor the rest of the program, not only to them, but to their goals. Exactly. And that's not a revolutionary idea. We hear that all the time. Everyone's an individual. You have to treat them uniquely. But then when it comes to program execution, it's usually lip service. Usually it's not as individualized as we'd like. And so how do we get individualized? Well, that's where the baseline testing and really identification of where somebody is at helps us get ultra individualized. Because once we know where you're starting, we can now breadcrumb trails. Here's what we need to manipulate to get you to that next level, to get that next step. All right. So I know with MetPro, you guys have a couple different things. You have, you know, whether you want to gain weight, whether you're just only looking for performance, or if you're looking to lose weight, especially for people listening to this podcast, you're already athletes. So it's always, so performance is always going to be there. Uh, not many people in this community are looking to bulk up as part of their regimen. So we can just kind of skip that part. Um, not saying it's not important, but it's just not, that's just not what we're doing, right? For the most part. So, um, so unless we, unless we have some OCR runners in the group, in which case I apologize, but we're just not going there right now. Um, there's, only, there's only so much time. So we'll stick to the performance and the weight loss part because like you said, 86% um, are conscious of that and want to lose weight. I know there's certainly a large cohort of dedicated amateur runners, especially new amateur, new amateur runners who are hoping to be dedicated amateur runners um, who are looking at it the same way and to bring it all the way to an N of one. I'm one of those people. Right. So I've been using MetPro for a little while now. And oh, nice. um, and I can say, like, for me, weight loss has been an issue. Right. So I so I played college basketball and, and I want to put a disclaimer out here first. OK. This conversation can be triggering for certain people. And I understand that. OK. And I right now I'm going to talk about my experience and I haven't dealt with eating disorders, nor am I 
nor has weight or eating been an overwhelming issue for me or something I haven't spent a lot of time on. So I want to just kind of set that as a barometer right from the start. And we're going to talk about the word diet later too as well. Um, so, you know, for me, just so you know, Angelo, like I say, I played at 155 pounds in college. So I played college basketball. I'm five, nine. And then I basically gained 35 pounds or, or so in the, you know, in the, in the 35 years since then, 35 years, no, in the in 35 years, in the 20 years <laughs> since then, I don't want to completely age myself out of this demographic. And, um, now, you know, it has, it, it's not been linear, but it's been kind of up and down, but kind of like a, almost like a, someone walking a dog through the park, right? The dog's going okay, to the right, wait, how, it's now, going how, to the left. How old are you now, Matt? I'm 41. You and I are the same age. Okay. We, there you all, go. See, we have shared life experience, shared culture here. See, okay, so we're gonna relate. So now, how old were you? Were you playing basketball? So I played in college. So okay. I okay. It was eighteen to twenty-two. All okay. Right. Right um, so for me, I've been aware of it. It hasn't been an overwhelming issue, but I'm getting to the point now where I'm forty. I'm like, all right, it's not just about performance. I also have seriously high cholesterol. So my cholesterol is three hundred five. Oh, okay. Sure. And it's been high for. For 20 years. So part sure. of this is genetic and part of it yes. is not genetic. So um, I'm aware of that. And Inside Tracker, I take Inside Tracker tests, which are great. And they really helped me out. And my last one was really good. The only issue was the, was the cholesterol and was the LDL. Um, uh, so I say this to say, for me, it isn't merely about performance, but it's also about weight loss. But I want to make sure because here I am, I'm training for things and want to be active. I want to become a better runner. I'm in master's divisions. I have master's goals. So I want to lose weight. And get, you know, not, not not necessarily down to 155, but I don't want to be 190 either. Right. And I also want to be performing really well. And not just at some date in the future, like my long run this weekend, right? My long run next weekend. I want to be fueled and ready to go and recovering from that. So for me and for a lot of people, the word diet and just the approach of losing, of, of, of uh, approaching weight loss can be a sticky situation because it's oftentimes if we do it in a in a in a wrong way can lead to not only bad performances but also maybe you know some bigger issues whether it's reds like Jacob Riley came out and talked about reds earlier Tina Muir has talked about this a lot in her podcast and written a book about um, some of these issues so I just want to talk to you first generally about the connectivity between these two topics and how you and your staff go about trying to make sure that you're approaching this topic with athletes in a way that isn't destructive to what they're trying to build. Absolutely. Well, so, so first, just backing up a little bit, you're not picking weight, maintain, build muscle, fat loss, and that's it. Oh, this is my track. Uh, you, you're going to be all of those things at different times. So we're always going to be going in cycles. And now as far as backing up to the, the medical stuff, we do, we, we try and stay in our lane. So we're not, we're not doctors. We're not lifestylists that deal with uh, those specific issues. If you're, if, if specific tracking, calculating is a trigger for you, then you'll definitely want to work with a program that is suited towards that sort of thing. Now we are hyper specific. So we are going to be more on the kind of academia side. So if you like research, if you like studies, if you like statistics, if you like math, um, probably what we do is going to resonate a lot with you where we're doing a lot of calculations and really, like I said, kind of bleeding edge of what is the most relevant in the studies and the research and the science and the manipulation as far as human performance. And um, to, to be direct, Matt, 
you know, I, I, in order to put food on my table, I got to get my athletes to win. So it's, it's performance, right? That's how, that's how, you know, we get where we're going. What an athlete comes to me and don't get me wrong. Of course, lots of people are just the lifestyle and we're talking about a competitive athlete. Um, you are correct. In fact, it's not even, um, it's not even what most people think that there's some people that could possibly be suffering from underfueling. I'm going to actually go a step further. Um, everyone is underfueled. That's my whole secret. You see, all the research shows that when we can metabolize more calories, that enhances recovery, which enhances energy outputs. You know, so I mean, we're talking everything from glycogen stores to how your body holds and stores intramuscular triglycerides, mitochondrial enzymes, all those adaptive forces end up thriving in a plentiful fuel environment. And so even if you're fueling maximally today, if we do our job right, we're going to train your metabolism. It doesn't happen overnight, but over weeks and a few months, you'd be surprised. This won't take years and years, but even weeks and a few months, you can use food to recondition your metabolism to burn hotter. Now, I'm going to tell you something that is actually going to fly in the face of research. And it's not going to contradict research. It's just it's not researched. But like I said, Matt, you raise your hand if, if I say anything that doesn't sound right to you. I'm going to take you through the exact mental experiment that I take uh, my participants through when they uh, attend an event or a seminar. And let's see what happens. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you that your food intake can absolutely impact your metabolism. Now, nobody is going to debate that when you eat less, your uh, REE, resting energy expenditure, or your RMR, your resting metabolic rate, decreases. That's well documented. We know that. But what doesn't seem to get studied is what happens when you eat more. I'm going to prove something to you just for the sake so the illustration will stick in your mind. Ben and Jerry speeds your metabolism. I'm going to prove it to you. Can you tell this to Ryan, my coach, who I'm working with? <laughs> You're working with Ryan? Oh, he's excellent. I'm working with Ryan. Can you tell this to him? You've, I'm, going to, I'm going to clip this. Ryan, Ben and Jerry's, alter the plan, man. Alter the plan. But here's, here's the asterisk. There's always a gotcha. Just because your metabolism is speeding up doesn't mean you're going to be happy with what the results are to your body composition or performance in the short term. But now let's dive into the experiment and we'll start to get context for this. So I'll, I'll ask, you know, the audience, I'll usually pick, you know, someone athletic. I'll, I'll pick a female out of the crowd. Maybe she's a runner. And uh, I'll say, okay, what would happen? So let, let's say she's, you know, about 30 years old, 35 years old. Um, she weighs 125 pounds uh, and she, she's an active runner. Uh, I say, okay, what would happen? Let's call her Julie. What would happen, Julie, if we change nothing about your training, nothing about your, your diet? We just add a pint of Ben and Jerry's every night before you go to bed. What would happen? And I'll tell you what her response is. I've literally asked this a hundred times. Her response is she laughs and says, I could be happy. You should tell that to someone just like you. You should tell my trainer that. That sounds good to me. That's exactly what they say. I say, no, but hear me out. What would happen to your body? Let's take this from a, a purely physiological standpoint. 
She goes, well, I gain weight. It's perfect. How much weight? And she'll think about it. And mind you, I, I, I've asked this question hundreds and hundreds of times. And uh, I say, how much weight would you gain in a month? And the answer I get is almost invariably between five and 10 pounds, almost invariably. And then I say, now, how much weight would you gain if you kept doing that for a year? And almost invariably, the answer I get is between 10 and 20 pounds. Now, I understand you're not a metabolic expert. You're not a nutritionist. You haven't spent years researching this, but you are an expert on your body and your intuition is right. I, I, I am uh, from certain angles and experts. <laughs> My wife says not so much. Depends on, you know, the time of day. But I can tell you definitively that's right. She's going to gain between five and 10 pounds in the first month. And over the course of the year, she probably gained between 10 and 20 pounds. Anyone in the audience think that's wrong? Anyone raise their hand? think I'm incorrect? Any doctors, any scientists? Maybe someone will say, no, no, no. It's going to be 25 pounds. Fine. Anywhere in that ballpark, we still have a massive math problem. And this is what not enough research has really surfaced. More research is needed because we have a massive math problem. So I use the pint of Ben and Jerry's because I just happen to know those pint-sized servings. It's a thousand calories. So if you do change nothing except for add a thousand calories a night, the seven days in a week, right? That's 7,000 calories in a night. Matt, do you remember how many calories does, you know, the science say is in a pound of body fat? Does anybody remember that number? I don't. It's 3,500 pound of body fat. Now, muscle mass is more metabolically act active. We're going to put all that aside. We're going to still, still see any way you calculate this. We're going to run into a mathematical problem. So there's... A thousand calories a night, seven days a week. Now, last I checked, there's still 52 weeks in a year. If we do the math on that, she should gain 102, 104 pounds. Now, I'll tell the audience, I'll have sometimes hundreds in the audience. I'll say, raise your hand. This is what the math says. Nobody disagrees. 3,500 calories in a pound of body fat, thousand calories a night. She's eating extra. Nothing has changed. Raise your hand if you think she's going to gain 104 pounds. There's never any takers. Intuitively, our life experience tells us that's not how the body works. That means even though, yes, she will gain some weight, her metabolism will acclimate to that increase at some point. And she will step on the scale on Monday, weigh whatever weight she weighs, get back on a week later, and still weigh the same weight. Because if that never happened, she would eventually gain weight until she died. Same thing happens in reverse. If you decrease your intake, you will lose weight. The only thing that is for certain is you will plateau. So it's death, taxes, and plateauing. You will plateau. Even if it's an aggressive restriction, you will still plateau. And if I'm wrong, you will die. That we call starvation. That has to be really low. Don't go that low. But the body is forced. All of our adaptive processes are all driven to create homeostasis because we cannot survive unless our, our metabolism can find a way to adapt to our intake, which means you can have an athlete who is performing at a high level now that now if we know on a macro scale, using an extreme example of a thousand calories of ice cream added a night, now, how do we take an athlete and we say, we're going to start 
an ounce of sweet potato at a time. Uh, we're going to start, you know, a, a, an apple at a time and increase and condition his or her metabolism to be able to burn more fuel and therefore increase performance. Um, my clients value their privacy, but your head would spin if I gave you the name of pro athletes. We're talking like AP athletes of the year. We're talking Olympic athletes. We're talking uh, medalists, endurance athletes. We're talking um, top 10 CrossFitters that were performing underfueled. And it's just their eyes were opened once they realized what their bodies could do. And here's why it happens, Matt. Because if, if we all say, okay, I've heard this before, Angelo. I've heard this. I know you have to, you have to eat more to speed your metabolism. You have to fuel better at a, at a higher intake to improve your performance. But I tried that and I gained weight. That's because this is where a little bit of the calculations. That's where that bleeding edge math does come in. It's one of those don't try this at home, folks, because human nature is we do it in reverse. Human nature is, oh, well, I had a couple long weekends and I noticed that, you know, I'm feeling, uh, uh, I'm feeling a little puffy today. So I'm going to, I'm going to rein it in. And so we start restricting. I, and I, and I know we're going to talk about this word. We start dieting. Even if it's a few days, we restrict what we take in. And we lose a couple pounds, but then remember we talked about that adaptive, that your body is seeking homeostasis. Okay. So what happens is you get frustrated because well, I lost five, six pounds and now I'm, I'm doing everything right. How come the weight loss stopped? So, so we, we restrict a little more. Now pretty soon the person's like, I'm not that hungry in the morning. I'll just skip breakfast. And so now they've already been restricting and now they're skipping breakfast. You see how we back into this really bad situation? And so now they lose another couple pounds because they're skipping breakfast, but that metabolic rate, they're adapting to that lower and lower food intake. That's an efficiency adaption that you don't want. That's going to come back to bite us. It's a buy now, pay later. That's a metabolic credit card that, that has a high interest rate. So now you have a person in that situation. They finally get frustrated and throw up their hands. This isn't sustainable. So what do we do? We go and we eat a cheeseburger or we eat some chocolate cake. We have that pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Nobody in that state says, boy, this isn't working. I think I'm going to add a quarter of avocado to my diet tonight. I think I'm going to add an extra two ounces of boiled chicken because I'm frustrated. Nobody does that. But see, our biology, if we look at the data and we look at the stats and we actually watch this, that's what metabolic profiling, MetPro, is all about. We're watching all of this physiology on an individual basis and we're going back and forth with these changes with our clients. So when I'm working with one of my clients, I'm explaining, here's the deal. We've bottomed out. I can look at your metabolic history over the last nine days. And now I'm taking out a look at the last 45 days. And even though, great, we've lost 14 pounds. Here's the problem. You want to lose another 15 and there's not enough leverage in your current intake for me to get another 15 out of. We need to stop here. Now, this is where the industry goes wrong. They don't stop there. I've worked with many of the uh, previous contestants who were on The Biggest Loser, and now we're, we're rebuilding that metabolism. And don't get me wrong. Uh, I know some of the coaches that were, that were coaches on the show. They're good folks, and they were doing good things for their clients in overarching. It, it's 
the way biology syncs up with weight loss, weight maintenance, and performance. The way if somebody wants to lose weight, and this absolutely is applicable to the, to the runners, and if you're trying to hit a PR and you want to experience what that's like at a lower body weight, but you don't want to sacrifice performance, you have to do it in cycles. You have to say, okay, I'm going to take off 15 pounds now, and then I'm going to stop before I turn into a, a crash diet or a gimmick or something that's underfueling me. I'm going to stop, and I'm going to give myself three weeks, five weeks of strategic metabolic calculated recovery. And I'm going to focus on performance. I'm going to revitalize my metabolism. Then I'm going to go for another five, six pounds. And then we're going to pause and repeat. And then I'm going to take the last seven or eight pounds off. And oh, by the way, if you're working with me, I'm going to diet you down about three pounds below the weight I want to maintain you at because I need to get you eating higher and higher and higher amounts of food so you can optimize, maximize your performance, which means I'm going to need to put some weight back on you. We're just going to control what type of weight. It doesn't have to be fat mass. That's where we can do lean mass. So when you're... All right, let me stop you right there because we're th these are great examples and I appreciate you going into this. Um, one thing that I know a lot of people might be thinking about now is like, well, I first of all, I don't have that kind of relationship with my scale. Sure. Like, I can't be weighing myself consistently in a non-judgmental way. Like this sure. is going to drive me up a wall. This is going to make my type A personality or maybe or something else, you know, hijack this process. And I cannot divorce myself from these proceedings. So I may know, like me, all right, like I'm not entirely happy with my body fat percentage. I want to bring that down. But I may be like, you know, but I don't want to be measuring myself every day or I don't I don't want to measure myself at all. Like I want to be able to just look and see what's happening here. So for people who are in that situation, is this something that might not work for them or is there other ways around this? Yeah. So if, if that describes you, throw out the scale. Uh, MetPro is not for you. This is not the pro. There's lots of great programs out there that are going to help you. Now, the education, the training, the principles and the overarching science. Great. And so that's what I would focus on with an individual like that. I would focus on the education. But as far as our process, uh, no, this is going to be, like I said, more the, the, the academia, the, the real calculated. And, um, and that's okay that we're not for everyone. And we shouldn't be. Really, no program should be for everyone. Because there's so many different needs out there and there needs to be different approaches for different people. And so we, we see that every day. So I would definitely say to those people, you don't need to be on a scale. That's not enhancing your life. That's not putting you in a state of thriving. So it's not worth it. Change body composition a few percent. But there are people who want to know the math because there are a lot of people out there, Matt, that are already. Um, we know that, uh, you know, and, and if I'm wrong, you can tell me, but we know that because we follow the money and where's all the money. The money is all in wearable technologies and tracking and calculating and everybody loves to track. Here's exactly how many calories I burned in this workout. Here's exactly my, my macro breakdown. Here's the calories I've expended today. Here's my steps. Here's my body weight. Here's my graph over the last six months. And so you can see the industry is just taking off. So the greater percentage of the population is already and is they vote with their, you know, with their wallets and with their lifestyle that I like data and tracking and those sort of things. So I'm definitely speaking to that crowd. Anybody 
that falls into a different category, by all means, and there are wonderful programs out there that will get you results that you want, but in do so in a suitable way for you. Angela, I appreciate you saying that um, and being open, transparent, like who this works for and who it may not work for and, and not to say that you're all things for all people. So first of all, thank you for saying that. Of I appreciate it. Um, let's talk about like some of the noise in the system when it comes to like weight, right? So, sure. right. There are certain days where like, you know, from a, and you know this better than me, so we can talk about this. And I think there is some, also some gender differences here, especially say for women who are on their cycles versus men who maybe just, you know, are, we're just, we're just different. So I think that we'll have to talk to you about like, just what, what weight looks like for you. What is how you guys are even like, what is statistically significant? What is noise in the system? What are just general fluctuations that happen? And how people who are inclined to be data-driven, who want to look at these metrics and can have a healthy relationship with them, how they should even be viewing this, um, considering that it is kind of fundamental to what you guys are talking about? Great question. I'm going to kind of give you the, the nerdy answer, and then I'm going to give you a, a lifestyle perspective on it. So here's the nerdy answer. So we uh, at MetPro, so we're, we're the, of course, as, as you know, Matt, we do high touch concierge coaching. We're working one on one, but we also have a data driven, basically DIY program where you're just getting the engine via an app. So I'll pull back the curtain a little and sh to give you a few of the gears and the back ends on that. So this was something that I and the team we struggled with and we really went back and forth with. What is the statistically speaking least amount of time where we can still come up with relative, relevant data as to average body weight so we don't get fixated on the knee jerk reactions with, oh, I'm up a pound today and I'm down a pound today. One day, what you weighed today doesn't matter. In fact, what you've weighed for the last two days doesn't matter. We, we need a bigger sample pool. And so here's what we've landed on. We've actually found that nine days is the optimal. Now, when somebody first starts, I don't have nine days of data. So we use whatever data we have. That's all we can do. But once we get over nine days, then we run a statistical analysis where for, and for most people, they don't weigh every day. So we don't capture that data every single day. But um, usually on average, we have between about five to nine days of statistical data. And I'm always comparing your average weight over the course of that stretch of days against your average weight over another stretch of days to get the most accurate story of, hey, actually, we've gained one pound or 1.2 pounds as an average over the last month if we're taking averages. Actually, I know you're, you're down in weight right now, but your data tells me that we don't own that weight just yet. And we look at it also in perspective of trajectory. So, uh, and again, I want to be sensitive to the audience here. I don't want anyone to fixate on numbers, but I'll, I'll use round numbers as an example for this. We have a 200 pound individual. Now, my system is going to give me data based on all the little data points we're extracted to tell me what this person's metabolic rate is on, is at. So I can determine if I can give them more food, if I can push for more weight loss, whatever the case may be, whatever we're trying to achieve. In order to do that, I have to look at not just their weight and activity. 
that's that's a mistake in the industry. It's like, oh, you're this size and you're this active. Here's your metabolic rate. Nope. <laughs> I need to look at based on what your body is taking in. So we use diet progressions, meal plan progressions, and there's all kinds of different um, mathematical variations of each progression that is designed to suit the needs of different people, but they're still going to be in progression. So I'll, I'll use, I'll try and explain this very simply. A, a very restrictive diet would be a very low numerical value. Okay. So a two or a three or a four, a very high intake diet that you would expect to see on a competitive athlete, an endurance trained athlete, et cetera, a, a seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, even, right? So. Assume that there's about a four to six percent intake difference between each phase or between each number. So if I have an individual who's on a low phase meal plan, so say they're on a phase three and their weight stable at 200 pounds, their metabolism is running very slow because what's maintaining that weight, what's maintaining that weight is very little food. Now I have someone who's weight stable. They may say plateaued, but see, I look at the data. Their weight's stable. They're on a phase nine intake. They got a blazing fast metabolism, regardless of whether or not they weigh 202 today. Not worried about that. Because what do you think is going to happen to that person when I take them from a nine and all of a sudden put them on a phase four? The body fat is going to be incinerated off of them because it's such a delta. You see, so that's what we're looking at when we're tracking all these analytics. We're looking at how a person is behaving and then we're triangulating it against what they're taking in so we can determine a relative metabolic rate. Here's an interesting one for you. I had a gal that hired me to slow her metabolic rate. She was a blast to work with. Um, she was going on that show. This was years and years ago, um, that this discovery health show. It was one of the ones where you got to go out in the wild and survive for how many days, you know? Um, and she was afraid that she was just going to be starving. She was one of those that would get low blood sugar, would feel poorly if she didn't eat every few hours. So in her case, we did basically reverse. I can relate to that feeling. That's exactly how I am. Uh, you're likely an ectomorphic body type. I'm not sure, uh, but you know, each body type has a predisposition. Hypoglycemia, though, can run in literally any body any any body type and any any somo type. But most frequently, you see it in ectomorphs. So, uh, by the way, most runners, not all, but most statistically are ectomorphs. So uh, what she was dealing with is this hypermetabolism where she would get low blood sugar, she'd get headaches, she'd get these crashes, and we knew she was going to be without food. So what we did was we decreased her feeding frequency and increased the meal size, had her skip her breakfast, skip her morning snack, just have a big lunch, an afternoon snack, and a big dinner. And then as it got a little closer, then it was just a big afternoon meal that was essentially her lunch, a dinner and a small late night snack. And then eventually it was just a big dinner and a small snack before bed. And what happens? The body seeks homeostasis. There's this whole concept of good or bad that doesn't necessarily exist from a metabolic standpoint. Your body acclimates to whatever it has to get used to to survive, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I would feel horrible tomorrow if I just went and ate nothing but KFC for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. 
But if I forced my body to deal with that day in and day out, I would still perform poorly, but I would eventually start acclimating to it. You're not going to like those acclimations, but your body adapts. So in her case, she acclimated to less and less food. Her metabolic rate slowed down and that hypoglycemic tendency actually reduced a little bit. And she went on the show and she crushed it. She crushed it. And then afterwards, we did it in reverse, sped her metabolism back up. So you can influence your metabolism because a lot of people think I'm just stuck with this. All right. This is a good question because here I am. So yep. during the school year, I run at nine o'clock in the morning, right? So in the morning I take care of my kids. I drive them to school, drop them off. My wife, you know, she's a teacher. So she's, she's getting ready for her. For, she, she's getting ready for school. She leaves at seven. I take my kids to school at 830 drop them off, and I go for my run at 9. So I can basically eat a normal-sized breakfast at 6.30 in the morning, be completely ready at 9.30 from a digestion standpoint to go out and perform any size run, right? In the summer, we basically flip. So all of a sudden, she was waking up at 5, I was waking up at 6 during the school uh, year. Okay. In the summer, we flip it. So now I'm waking up at 5 so that I can get my run in at 6, Yep. And then I'm back at 730 or whatever. And then like, you know, then we're then, then away we go and I'm working and she's, she might be going and doing her run after that, you know, so that way she's not waking up at 5 a.m. all year round. And she's able to sleep more during the summer. So we flip flop it. So all of a sudden I had a how I was eating during, you know, the nine or 10 months. Now I'm flipping. I'm now I'm not having that same breakfast at five. If I'm running at six, it's just going to be a GI disaster. Right. On my run. Yeah. So now like I'm no, I'm flipping it and I'm trying to get used to it. So when you're having when you're working with clients who are going through similar um, scheduling changes or just when they work out isn't going to be completely systematized. Like like I was able to say I run at nine and that's just what I did. They, there's a lot of busy people out there who are saying like, I don't. I don't know. Like sometimes I work out here, sometimes I work out there, sometimes I work out at evening, sometimes I'm working out at lunch. How do you incorporate a changing dynamic athletic schedule with the systems you're trying to create with them? Absolutely. So that's one of the most common questions. In fact, I've been asked that same I thought it was such a good question and you're telling me it was so common. I was so excited. I was like, I got one. I got one. Uh, no, uh, and I'll tell you why it stymies people. It's a great question because people run into this <laughs> issue. They're like, and, and here's what a coach will say. Well, you need to fuel before, so you just eat a big... I can't eat a big meal before because digestively... So this whole thing of, you know, oh, well, you can't eat so and take in fuel... That's a generalization. A more accurate description is digestively your body can't process. And there are things that are going to make that infinitely more, more dramatic. Uh, if you have a high fiber meal and then you're going for a run right after or a high fat meal. Uh, but, you know, this, this is the year 2022. We have some engineering marvels. We, we can actually get some packed in uh, dietary um uh, intense nutrition in a very small digestive form to where we actually can fuel in advance. You just have to know to do that. That's where sports supplementation comes in. And so uh, I would still encourage you. Now, some people can get up and on an empty stomach, they can run as long as they eat right afterwards. They do all right. Some people drywall and nails they can put in their stomach and they don't get any digestive upset. But most people are going to be a little sensitive to that. So in your case, I would want to see you, Matt, 
always having some fuel before you run, but we're not going to do a big meal. What we would do is in that case, it's going to be real simple on days that you're running early. You're going to have your mid morning snack macros first. And then mid morning, you would have your, your breakfast macros. You're going to have your breakfast. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So I, I eased into it. I started off with like some graham crackers and things like that, just so I was used to like yep. the process. But that that's exactly the shift that I ended up making. And it's worked out totally fine for me, which is which is great. So, you know, we're gonna get going here in a little bit. You've been really generous with your time. And I, I should say, so I've been using this. I should say, I have not been the best client. Ryan knows this. <laughs> So Ryan, if you're listening to this, I apologize. Oh, God. Um, I don't believe that. Look he actually, he actually, he actually told really... me he's like, he goes, I gotta be honest. I am, I do get weary with some of our, some of our, <laughs> our concierge clients who who aren't paying because they might be part of like an affiliate program, and this is where I can put an affiliate link. And I'm doing that because I have had a good experience. So this is the first so time I've ever done affiliate link on the podcast before. So people were curious, like, well, is Matt going to pay for this? I will be, but it's only because I'm using MetPro and I've had a good experience. So. um, like today is a great example. So I am down, I did buy a scale. I'm down four or five pounds since I started nice. and I'm down past that nine day average point because I have been on it for, 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 you know, at this point about a month and a half. Um, and it's going, it's going well for me. Like I, today I'm about back up to 50 miles a week. I had a long run today. I'm feeling good. I'm not hitting every single, you know, every single, um, meal the way I should, but I should say that the, the, the thing that I do appreciate is there are lots of choices there. And I can say Ryan has been, um, you know, with him, as I told him was like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I don't like the idea of like, Hey, either I did it right or wrong. Like, I don't like the idea of like, you, you hit this meal, right. Or you didn't like, I think there has to be gray area there. Like, I'm just going to get in my own head if that's the case. And this not going to serve anybody. And so he was like, no, 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 I totally get it. So he was, so we, we had a pretty good collaboration going, at least from my perspective. So I will say thank you so much for your time because this has worked out well for me and it's been a good experience and one where I wanted to make sure that before I told anyone about it, that I felt like I could still perform well. Like today I had like, I ran 12 miles at 800 feet of elevation gain, some, some serious climbing and I was fine. Um, for it. And this was at the that end of a this a second 50 that. mile week in a row. So I, I feel good about it. And I do feel like body weight's coming off. You're tuned for, for body comp right now. So see, that's, so I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with this. I'll leave you with this, Matt. And I'll, I'll put on my coaching hat for just a quick second here. Um, think in terms of a priority hierarchy. Uh, so I, I've, I've been coaching for two decades now, and I I figured out the magic number of things people can implement with excellence at at a time. And the the magic number is one, (laughs) one thing. But that doesn't mean only do one, change one thing. That means change it, own it, nail it, check the box. Now let's go to the next thing and the next thing. So I want to give you a priority hierarchy. Now, I'm going to be very, so like you're a very upfront person. I'm I'm always going to be very upfront. Um, The number one thing you can do is bring structure to your daily routine. The number one hardest thing to accomplish is to bring structure to your daily routine. Hardest thing for anyone to accomplish, whether you're a business professional, an executive, a busy mom, or an athlete, across the board. But it is undisputed that when you have some level of structure, you have levers and dials to be 
specific and calculated with these adjustments that are really going to make a meaningful difference. But that doesn't mean all strategies are as impactful. What we have found is the most, if I had to pick one meal a day, that is the most important that I want you to prepare in advance, hit the macros, not close, Matt, dial it in. That's what I ask someone who's interested in working with me. I want you to eat an afternoon snack. Now, you're busy in the middle of the day. You don't have time to stop in the middle of the day and prepare. That means you have to prepare it in advance. We're not talking about anything difficult. An apple and some almonds or a hundred other combinations of different foods, but something that simple. It needs to be portable. It needs to be low perishable. It needs to be non-messy and it needs to be quick to eat. Those are the attributes. And I'll ask a person, can you prepare that in advance? Of course, everybody. Well, of course I can do that. If somebody says, no, I can't be consistent with an apple and almonds, they really don't want any structure. But assuming they can do something small like that, that we can work with because that's one of those behaviors that's subtle but disruptive in a good way. Statistically, there's a lot of surprises around something like a mid-afternoon snack. Statistically, most people will go almost double the amount of time between lunch and dinner than they do breakfast and lunch. Blood sugar is going to be impacted. Did you know that if you have a mid-afternoon snack, you are more likely to eat breakfast consistently? You see, so there's a whole lot of just nuances and little things that that's what we geek out on is all those data points. So it may seem like, yeah, I, I can't commit to making this massive life change. But yeah, Angela, I can have an apple and some almond butter or some peanuts in the afternoon. And now see, the ball is rolling and we build on that a little at a time. So I will say this. I will say this. The, 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 <laughs> meal I, the meal I almost never hit. From a macros perspective, and I don't even sweat it because it's just it's just the way it goes. Um, is dinner, and it's just because I cook for my family. I got a seven year old, a ten year old, and a wife, and we all like different things. And it's like we're gonna eat what we're gonna eat. We're gonna try to make it as healthy as we can. And I try to like basically dial in all the other meals whenever I you know, as, as much as I possibly can. I'm gonna tell you something that's really gonna help, Matt. That's okay, and here's why it's okay. The reason, so people ask me this all often because there's a ton of research done on the benefits of small meals frequently and snacking. And there's a ton of research done on the benefit of eating less frequently. So which is it? If you're getting coached by me, you're going to have an afternoon snack. You're going to snack. And it's not for the reason you think. It has nothing to do with that research data. At the end of the day, is what, what I can get you to do and what I can't get you to do. And at the end of the day, I need to get you results. I win when you win. You're going to have an afternoon snack or a mid-morning snack or both, not because of any scientific data, but for this fact. We don't eat snacks socially. If I say, Matt, you have to eat this, this, and this for dinner every night, go. What you're going to say to me is, forget you. There's no way. I got a family. I got kids. I can't do that. I could do maybe one day a week. That's the reality of our life. But if I say, you know, I want you to have that apple and almonds every day for an afternoon snack. You're not going to say, well, I got to check my schedule and call Johnny because me and Johnny always get together and eat our snack together and he might want a different snack. And so he may have something else in my, no, we don't do that. We don't take snacks socially. So I have something to anchor to. So if I know that dinner is not going to be perfect, if I can get a couple other things in your diet that aren't as difficult to manipulate, really dialed in, 
then I have some leverage so we have fewer meals in the day that are less predictable. And overall, I can still steer the ship. Does that make sense, Matt? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, good. Well, that's, that's what I'm doing. So that worked out, that worked out great. All right. So I would say people want to check this out. There's a lot of options and there's a lot of your websites are really good. The app, the app is fantastic. Uh, go to metpro.co. That's metpro.co slash rambling to go check that out. If you do, then, you know, it doesn't cost you any more if you use my code, but it does help me out, which is nice. Also, if you don't use it because it doesn't work for you, then don't use it. If it's not for you, don't use it. Okay, but if it is for you, you want to give it a try. I suggest it. I've been using it. So for me, um, this is not infomercial for MetPro. It's just something that I enjoyed using. So I want to talk to Angelo about it. Angelo, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks a million for having me, Matt. Angelo, thank you so much for coming on the show. If you're interested in MetPro and getting a free consultation, just go to metpro.co slash rambling. You get a free consultation and go from there and see if it's a good fit for you. I know it is for me, but not for everybody, but I think for a lot of people, this could be a really good fit and can help them. So that's why I wanted to share it on this episode. Now, thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry I got.